0: What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot
1: Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like
0: Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come and in trying and to count the best of shape, but... Well, well you I'm, did one time. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 what. Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's
2: in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy,
1: Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nouveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score, the Locked On Blackhawks podcast and the Homewood Baseball and Softball League. Like, I don't even know what it's called, but That's he it. runs it all, and he's just, he's the man in general. It is Jay Zawoski. Jay, how are you, my friend?
2: I am good, buddy. Uh, thank you for your patience this week. For those of you that don't listen to Locked On Blackhawks, uh, James and I have not been able to do a Madhouse podcast. My dad's been in the hospital, um, but he's out. He's good. He's home. He's resting. So, all's well on that front. It was just sort of a sudden. James and I planned on doing a podcast on Friday or Saturday, and then on the way home from work on Friday, I found out he had been ambulanced to the hospital, so that changed up the whole weekend and the whole start of the week, but we're all good, he's home, he's healthy, he's fine, so here we are after a 2-1 loss to the Calgary Flames, and James and I were sort of talking to each other before we started recording the podcast, and it wasn't a bad game. They didn't play horribly. They certainly could have won had puck bounced a few different ways a couple times. But this is a game that the Hawks needed to win, and instead of it being, you know, forty six to forty nine in the wild card race, now the Flames have a fifty one point to forty four point lead over the Hawks and have a big lead in the uh, in the wild card standings. So it's just a missed opportunity. Uh, again, they didn't play poorly. But what I wanted to see from urgency and sort of a playoff feel from the Blackhawks, I really didn't get. They played fine. They played fine. I just could have seen a different level of of intensity. I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of good in this game, and we will get to it. I assure you, because you know, I don't want this to be, you know, the doom and gloom podcast. We never want that. So there were plenty of notes that I jotted down about the game that were good, but like you said, man, there just there wasn't. It never seemed like there was that sense of urgency on the part of the Blackhawks. Yeah, they had some incredible moments. The five on three penalty kills were fantastic. No doubt. Like The penalty killing movement on those things was absolutely great. But then in the third period, when you absolutely needed a push and you needed to try to score the game time goal, they had six shots on goal in the third period. They were trailing. You cannot have that poor of a performance in the third period when you're trailing by a goal. You have to create more scoring chances than that. And th- it was not never more apparent than when they pulled Corey Crawford and they had the empty net. And the Blackhawks just were cycling. They were moving the puck around the zone, but you know what wasn't moving around the zone? Anybody in a red <laughs> sweater. They were all stationary. They all su- they all stood there for basically 25 seconds and watched the clock melt away if you didn't know any better, you would have thought the Blackhawks were the team that had the lead. Yeah. They were being way too patient. They weren't moving. And then all of a sudden at 25 seconds, you hear Edzo go, nobody's moving. And it was like, thank you. I think you heard me through the TV Ed. Like it just was an irritating display of hockey. And frankly, after that effort, in the third period, I can see why they lost.
2: Well, a couple things there. I think that the two five-on-three penalty kills that were outstanding and do deserve praise, absolutely, that may have taken its toll on the team late in the game. Those are exhausting exercises to kill those five-on-three penalties. They're also down a man without Dylan Strom, and I'm not making excuses, but I'm trying to find a reason why they look so lifeless and out of gas down a goal late against a team they're pretty even with, I think. Would you say Hawks and Calgary... You know, all things being equal are pretty even teams. The Hawks are better in some places. Calgary's better in some. But they've played each other very tight all season long. But that could be a thing. And, and I wonder, too, and you and, I, you and I have talked about this. We've sort of asked ourselves out loud this question. Is Patrick Kane difficult to play with because mm. of his ability to control the puck? Because of, uh, you know, you have to be ready for a pass to hit your stick. All the time. So I wonder if it makes guys on the ice a little bit tentative. Like, all right, I, he's got the puck. I got to be ready if it comes to me. Instead of just cycling, and it feels like every power play is working for that one perfect shot. Mm-hmm. It, if you have a five on three, that's how you're supposed to play a five on three. But a five on four power play, it's been this way since the dawn of the game. Guys in front, pucks on net. Guys yeah. in front... Pucks on. It's not complicated.
1: And what really irritated me is guess what happened? Kirby Doc got to the front of the net. And then what didn't happen, any type of a shot right. at the net with Kirby Doc in front. He wasn't even being contested nope. there. The, the Flames are just kind of like, you know what? You can have that real estate because literally all the Blackhawks did was stand at the walls, stand at the point and pass the puck looking for a lane that wasn't going to open up unless they started to move and get that Calgary defense moving. And whether it was exhaustion, whether it was, you know, man, forget it, whatever. Like, I don't even know what it was. It just, it was very bad and noticeable. And like I said, on the broadcast, they called it out while it was going on. And it just, it was like a moment where you just want to pull your hair out because it was so antithetical to what you need to be doing in that situation.
2: Yeah, that's totally correct. And again, I I don't know if it's just the continued failure on the power play that has them playing that way or what, but something needs to change. Like, look, zone time is great. Puck possession is great, but you never feel like the power play is going to score. It takes, it feels like it takes a seeing eye puck to get through all the traffic for it to happen. And I know I just said traffic in front pucks on net. Sure. But like, they're playing for that one shot, and it just it just does not work the way. The way teams defend the the power play does not allow you to create a perfect shot very often. I Unless
1: like, you get them moving and you create a lane, you've got
2: to create your own space. Exactly right, and that's the point of moving is it gets the other team moving and open up and opens up gaps. And you have players like Kane and DeBrinket and Taves. And by the way, Taves needs some praise after this game. He was terrific mm-hmm. tonight um those great puck movers should allow for that as soon as a space opens up boom you've got one of those guys that you have on that first power play unit capable of getting a quick pass through through that open ice and a good look on net that should happen again and again and again with the talent this team has and it just doesn't and maybe we're spending too much time on the Hawks going 0 for 2 on the power play but they lost 2 to 1 that, that could be the difference in the game. And when we yeah. talk about a team that's not as talented as they were last decade, <laughs> last decade, uh, no. yeah, I'm sorry, it's our first one, come on. Anyway, <laughs> um, when you're not as talented as you used to be, you need your special teams to to carry you over, to get you over the top against teams that are better than you or higher mm-hmm. than you in the standings. And frankly, the power play let them down, and I think it was a difference in the game. Everything else was pretty, pretty even, pretty solid.
1: All right, so there are like 14 different ways we can go with this, I think. (laughs) So let's go ahead and we'll stick to the power play because I wanted to kind of get your take. How did you think John Quenville looked on the power play tonight?
2: Well... I mean, <laughs> in an ideal <laughs> world, you don't want John Quenville on a power play. And I think in his limited time on the ice, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty effective. He's an aggressive he had forward. four
1: shots and three hits tonight. Yeah. I'm just saying.
2: And, and Sunday, he had, a, he had some good numbers as well. He's playing mm-hmm. fine. In an ideal world, I don't think I want to see him on a power play. However, mm-hmm. yeah. there's not a ton of other options that they had, especially with Strom out. But excuse me, Jay Zawoski, they do have
1: NHL goal scorer Dylan Secura <laughs> on this team.
2: Well, I, if I'm flipping a coin between Secura and Quenville, I'm going with Secura. There's no doubt. And about
1: I also it. think that you're in a really bad spot if that's the coin that you have to flip. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> All right. So now that now that I've gotten that out of the way, <laughs> would you prefer to talk about the injury that led to the extended time for john quenville or would you like to talk about some other good things that happened tonight well
2: first i need to talk to you about our friends at triple threat sports for all your oh, au-
1: oh you
0: yeah buddy my plan oh. <laughs> oh.
2: for all your team and corporate outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 chris at triple triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it and it will look badass Go visit get that our friends, John Quenville
1: yeah. number 47 jersey. Put it on your back.
2: Good old number 47. That's a mm-hmm. bad number. When you get number 47. Who's the best
1: 47 in Blackhawks history,
2: Jay? Probably John Quenville.
1: <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I cannot think of another Blackhawk that wore that number. We'll look at that information There's got to be uh, we'll... another one. we'll 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 let our listeners kind of play along with that for a minute but we have some other stuff to discuss i'm sure would you prefer to go in the positive direction or do you want to go well uh for the dylan strome direction
2: let's talk about dylan strome a little bit and that was a bad looking play um the knee got bent underneath the toe pick sort of stuck Mm -hmm. and uh strome fell backwards and his leg did not move with him um that's never ever a good thing and uh they said ankle and not knee so that I don't want to say that's encouraging, but it, it looks probably more like a sprained ankle than a blown out knee. So it, it's probably a shorter term thing. It looked very similar to what happened to Brandon Saad and Saad when he was announced out, which was what, two Thursdays ago? I believe that's right. That was. Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like right around. It was like the day after Christmas. Um, He's out three weeks, so he should be back. <laughs> Merry soon. Christmas, guys. Yeah, really. Um. So, hopefully, you know, they, it's not a long term thing, but they've got a lot of games here in the next three weeks. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games over the next three weeks. So, they're busy. Two more yeah, games. Yeah, the, the run up
1: to the All Star game is going to be very busy for them.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay, by the way, number 40s, 47s in Blackhawks history Adam Yeah, Bennett, I, I looked
1: it up too. This is hilarious.
2: Uh, Lasse Kukanen. There's a picture of me and my wife with Lasse Kukanen. Uh, from back in the day martin saint pierre everyone thought he was gonna be martin saint louis because he was a because he was small and he was a forward nope yep evan Brophy. nope michael paliotta oh i
1: missed evan Brophy.
2: oh <laughs> rob scuderi that was a no. that was a fun month new assistant coach for the
1: nashville predators by the way oh that makes rob a lot of scuderi. sense
2: that's the kind of guy when's who... his
1: one more shift
2: stop yourself <laughs> that was 2016 by the way they didn't win a cup that year and of course 2020 john quenville so yeah order your uh number 47 jersey at triple threat sports uh so i, I don't know we're, we're waiting a word on strome i have twitter open just sort of refreshing to see if there's any news on it he did not return to the game it happened in the second period so uh if the, life without doing strome it's it's ugly man it's a little scary it, if there's a if there's a silver lining It's that Kirby Doc gets more ice time, and some young players get to play. But man, did you see by the way that play from Nylander? I believe it was in it was in the third. He was coming around the boards, and the puck was coming to him, and he turned his back to the puck, and the puck just like rolled past him, where he could have very simply grabbed the puck, peeled off away, and made it and sent her to pass. He just chose not to play the puck. What is with this dude, man? Oh, I he, don't know.
1: He's got it's it's one step forward and two steps back with him. I swear. Because I had jotted down that he had a really good defensive shift in the second period that really pinned the Flames in their zone and just really gave the Blackhawks a good opportunity in that period one of the few that they had in the second and he was a big part of it along with david camp and then he turns around and i jotted this down like you said the third period just kind of casually lets the puck slide by him and it's just like what the hell's going on with this guy does he just like mentally check out during games like i i just don't get it to man, me at he all lo-
2: to me he looks like a guy who is like a classic overthinker Instead of just playing hockey and making sound decisions and making smart plays, it's almost like he second guesses himself. I don't think Alex Nylander a dumb guy. Uh, His brother's not. His dad wasn't. They're two pretty intelligent, heady hockey players, and they both play with confidence. I don't see any confidence in Alex Nylander's game. And he has been given every opportunity to strive and thrive in this lineup. How much time has he spent on the top line for no reason other than his name is Alex Nylander and he was traded for Henry Okahari? He had a longer leash than anybody on this roster, and instead, he just can't make anything out of it. He's got he's a good skater, good hands, good shot, great passer, all the things you want in a hockey player. The problem with Alex Nylander is upstairs, I have no doubt about it, and that's why. You know, I was sort of hopeful when the Hawks traded for him that a change of scenery and a vote of confidence would do him well, but it hasn't. And he's been a huge disappointment. And uh, it's bad if I prefer Matthew Highmore in the lineup to Alex Nylander at this point.
1: I was going to say, do you think they should trade him for Brandon Manning? Stop it.
2: <laughs> but maybe cap relief. No, I. it's just <laughs> and look, maybe maybe the light goes on. Right? Maybe Alex Nylander figures it out and becomes a 20-goal, 30-assist guy, and you're like, good, okay, that deal worked out. You got a good player for you, and it worked out for both teams. That's the whole idea, right? Maybe that happens, but I said this on Lockdown this morning. You can't, you cannot convince me that you could not have gotten more for Henry with an Alex Nylander. There's no way that was the best offer available. So, me fully believing that, and I think most people listening, I think, James, you'd probably agree with that, that if Stan Bowman really shopped Yoko Haru around every team in the league, he'd find something better than Alex Nylander in return. If that's the case, that means that that's the guy Bowman identified, and it's who he wanted, and it's another failure on his resume. And when we look at what happened this summer, Andrew Shaw has been a bust because of his injuries, but those injuries should not have been a surprise to anybody. Right? You knew yeah. he's got concussion after concussion. Calvin DeHaan, I like the trade. The dude had a bum shoulder coming in. And guess what? The shoulder's hurt again. It's just, you know, t- Stan Bowman is running out of bad moves. He really is.
1: Uh, by the way, update from the uh, Blackhawks head coach, Jeremy Colliton: Strom will be evaluated tomorrow tomorrow. Colleton unsure whether it will be days or weeks before Strom returns so ugh. not not exactly a huge vote of confidence for uh, the health of a Dylan Strom
2: no no that does not sound great um, I guess the fact that days are still an option is good um, but man, man. talk about a
1: time you do not I, there is never a good time to lose a top six forward and one that seemingly was starting to kind of come around but this is Coming into the all-star break, it is a really bad time, especially when these are teams you need to be making hay against. You need to be making hay against teams like the Predators who just changed their coach. You need to be able to win games against teams like the Anaheim Ducks, and losing a guy like Dylan Strom is not gonna help you do that.
2: Well, and who's even left to call up? That's the thing. Like, there's not a lot of guys in the in Rockford who are on anyone's radar is coming up to play.
1: Yeah. Like you know, there's, there's no centers who are going to, you know, come up and be able to be plugged into a top six spot. I mean, just looking at the non roster forwards list, you're looking at guys like McKenzie Entwistle. You're looking at Alexander 14. You're looking at, does Philip Kirichev get a shot? Maybe. Does, I don't does, know. Does Mikhail Hakkarainen get a shot? Like that's anti- anton whedon maybe like to bring up for a winger spot i i don't know i don't know what the Blackhawks do if he's out for a prolonged period of time it's not like i said just a really bad situation because now your center depth which was already kind of thin to begin with now you're gonna have to deal with a guy like matthew highmore in the middle on a more regular basis and
2: i don't know if that's what you want (sighs) (laughs) this bums me (laughs) out man and look i I'm not going to pretend like this is a Stanley Cup-caliber team, but they had won seven of their last ten, and they've been competitive in most of the games they've played, and they've played pretty well against some good teams recently. So I'm starting to get some hope that they can make some noise here. And without Strom, this lineup is bad, bad. Mm. I mean, it's it's really t- like. Boy, then is full-time center, which might be a good thing in the long term, but right now it's not great. He only took two face-offs all night,
1: and he has not been playing well lately. I will also point that out. He's been he's been starting to hit that kind of rookie slump. I think that's not. I'm not going to sit here like bashing a, an 18-year-old who's just you know coming into the NHL and dealing with the grind of an 82-game season for the first time, but. I I have not been, I kind of ISOed on him a few times tonight and I kind of, I don't get the vibe that I get from like, say a Nylander where you have no idea what's going through his head when he's on the ice, but you can tell that he's still kind of learning the speed of the game and how to kind of anticipate some things and his physical gifts are not carrying him as far as they used to. And that's a, that's a learning process and a learning curve for a guy like Kirby doc and He's clearly fighting it right now a little bit. And I definitely noticed that when I was kind of watching his play tonight.
2: Yeah, I you know, I really like the kid. And when you watch him play, there are those flashes every single game where you just sort of say, "Okay, this kid is going to be really good sometime." Right? But he's just he's not there yet. You're you're right. The inconsistency is is too much. And I've mentioned this a couple times, but like part of his game that i don't love he's got speed but he's not real agile he has trouble Mm. stopping and going so it's like when he misses a puck it's like he has to circle all the way around number one priority for me with kirby doc this summer is to work on his skating and getting those quick cuts that turn around the stop and go speed if he can establish that into his game he's going to be really really solid here's a a tweet from satchel price of the sun times this morning uh, is he still with the Sun-Times? I think so. He I was. believe
1: Satchel is still with the Sun-Times, yeah. Uh,
2: last 22 games, so this does not include uh, the game against Calgary on Tuesday. Last 22 games for Kirby Dock. One goal, zero assists, 30 shots on goal, 48.3%, five versus five Corsi, and a 47.15 on five expected goals for. That's, that's not good. He's got to be better than that. And I know mm-hmm. he's not on a great team, but he's playing on a good line. So those excuses are sort of out the window.
1: Yeah, he's finally getting an opportunity to play with some really good players, and he's not really making the most of it. But I do see what Jeremy Colleton is trying to do. He's clearly trying to get a spark going with him, and it's just not quite working yet.
2: Well, look, I do want to give Colleton some credit, though, because I think for the most part he's done a good job at playing the players that deserve to play. He has not played favorites. He has not favored the veterans. If they're not playing well, they're scratched. They're out. Yeah. And, and, you know, it took a little bit of nerve, even though I mentioned all the leash that Alex Nylander had. He deserved to sit when he did. There's no doubt about that. And I see. I know you got to get him back in the lineup at some point and give him another chance, and he'll be playing more often than ever now with Strom apparently out at least for a little bit. But that's one thing I want to give Jeremy Cowden some credit for, is the fact that he has been benching guys when they deserve to be benched instead of just playing favorites and rolling out the guys he loves. Uh, I will give him a little bit of credit there. But uh, before we take a break, James, I want to tell everybody about our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. They've got locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com to check out their menus and make sure you check out their specials. That's where the magic happens. It happens everywhere in the menu, but the specials are especially wonderful. Uh, I posted a photo on our Instagram of the Coach Anita Pabil. That one blew up. That one went viral. <laughs> People went nuts <laughs> when they saw the Coach Anita Pabil. So go visit our friends at Chuck Southern Covers Cafe, Burbank, Darien, Chuck's com. A couple things I want to get to aside from this game. I know there's something from the broadcast, James, you wanted to discuss a little bit. Uh-huh. I watched a very interesting hockey documentary this week, and I want to get to that too. All that more coming up next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroYTMobile.com. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive through, and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. Aw,
2: <laughs> babe just a few
0: <laughs> all right i guess i can't blame you pass me some too
1: <laughs> uh, smells too good to get it all the way home meal there's a meal for every moment at mcdonald's
0: and now your favorite spicy chicken mcnuggets are back get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks only at mcdonald's price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal
2: It is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawaski with you here. James Neveau down there in Bourbon A, near the world's greatest B-dubs. But you don't want B-dubs. You want Mariska's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Family owned and operated since 1933. Go get yourself a poor boy. Go get yourself the Yodel Burger, the Giant Onion Rings, the Twice Baked Potatoes. Go drink some of their fabulous craft beers. Bring the family. Bring your kids. Bring your friends. You're going to have a great time at Marishka's. And you will go back again and again. Like I said, family-owned and operated since 1933, and it shows it is run by the Zadralovich. <laughs> Damn it. I almost got it, Joe. <laughs> the Zadralovich family has been running it for uh, generations. And you, when you walk in the place, you know you're somewhere special. You know you're at a one-of-a-kind place. So go check out our friends at Mariska's, 604 Theodore Street, com or facebook.com slash Joe. Zdralovich and his family good people he's a handsome man go visit him he's younger than he sounds
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's I love I love when you uh struggle with his name it always makes me feel better because I occasionally do as well well so. it, it's
2: hard because it, you got to slow yourself down Joe Zdralovich and I have the same problem w- like with my dad my dad is James and yep. it's hard to say James Zawaski. it doesn't mm. like flow off your tongue very well that's my name, too, technically. Um, technically,
1: all three of us are named James, yeah.
2: That's true. So, But James Zawoski is hard to... It's hard. To, you got to pause between the uh, consonants there. It's rough.
1: <laughs> well, Or you can uh, just completely screw it up like you did a couple of weeks ago and call yourself James Nemo. But we don't have to relive the past.
2: <laughs> well, then I'd have a gingerbread hat, and that would be wonderful.
1: Oh, and it would smell lovely. And then you could go to other places and get large chunks of meatloaf which i'm sure we'll uh talk about yes we more
2: will. well today uh if you missed it by the way sam bowman met the media after practice and it's a
1: real good segue i like this yeah i
2: had some things to say nothing too crazy interesting uh james i know you've got some thoughts on it but to me what stood out the most was i wouldn't call it a flat out like vote of confidence in jeremy calton but he sounded fairly pleased with how things have been going went out of his way to call him a good communicator, which I thought was pretty amusing considering that all the reports I've heard, uh, from what the players think is sort of the opposite Mm -hmm. that they often don't know where they stand. But, uh, look, Stan Bowman's future is tied to Jeremy Cowan success. He knows it. So there's no point in Bowman, you know, being critical of Cowan, at least publicly. So, Yeah, he's going to give him the benefit of the doubt and talk well about him in person, but we'll see. If Cowton fails this year, then they're both gone. They've both got to be gone.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've been talking about that all season long, and Bowman definitely, in addition to the vote of confidence for Jeremy Colleton, I thought was very... Adamant that he thinks that the team had kind of has been playing their best hockey of late and that the playoffs are in his eyes a very real possibility for them. So he basically just kind of like threw out the notion that they could potentially already be looking at selling like they're clearly looking at it where they're going to have some cap space with Seabrook and Don on the long term injured reserve and they're going to keep their options open at least, you know, beyond the all-star break and then heading on towards the trade deadline. So it does seem like the Blackhawks have not kind of decided on a course of action, which is good, but you also, you kind of want to read the tea leaves and be able to get at least a little bit of a jump on the market too, because as we all know, the earlier that you kind of strike, you can potentially get some good deals, even though there will be maybe a few teams that get desperate at the deadline, sometimes jumping the market can be a better idea.
2: Yeah, and I think... You know, if Stan Bowman is as cerebral as he gets credit for, he's got to look at this thing realistically. And now especially if Dylan Strom's going to be out for a week or two, that you, you've got to start thinking sell. You know, and I look, even if he wasn't, and even if the Hawks went on a little bit of a stretch here where they won, you know, another seven of their next ten, realistically, you've got to look at this thing. It is not a Stanley Cup contender. And I know there's something to be said for getting the playoffs and you've got two really good goalies who are capable of winning a game or a series maybe two series in a in a crazy world but you've got to look at this thing realistically and this name that i keep seeing not hearing but seeing no one's told me this specifically but brandon sod's name has been in the rumor mill like crazy lately and yeah. one rumor i saw and i don't know if this is something that's going to happen But people bring it up, and this is the sort of thing I think you could look for the Hawks to do if they are going to jump the market, like James said, trading Saad for someone like Alex Galchenyuk of the Penguins, who's another top-nine forward who's had a history of scoring in his past, but he makes a little bit less money than Saad, and he's a free agent after this year. Pittsburgh gets a better player, and they've got to take on that extra year, but the Hawks maybe get Galchenyuk for a, a brief time, see how he looks. Maybe they consider resigning him. Maybe they get a prospect or a pick along with it. They free up some cap space and everybody wins. That's the sort of thing if we're talking about jumping the gun on a trade and jumping the market, that might be something they want to consider. But that said, if you've got an asset like Brandon Saad, why not wait till the last minute when teams are – chopping at the bit to make a deadline move. We've seen so many teams make bad deals simply to make a deal. Why not let that happen? Why not let it come to you? Maybe Sod comes back and, and leads you in one of those stretches of wins. You can still trade him at the deadline. Uh so for me, I I'm, I'm 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 leaning towards wait unless there's some sort of golden opportunity you feel like you're never going to be able to top fine but I'm waiting on all those guys till the last minute to sell and find the Blackhawks. I'm absolutely selling, but I'm waiting until all those teams start to get desperate.
1: Yeah, I can see the logic in that. I can definitely, but the the thing is, is with the trade deadline being as close as it is to the end of the season, I do still think there's a benefit to kind of getting involved early, especially on a guy like a Brandon Sad who does have a few years of team control left. Like I think it's worth at least considering, especially oh, sure. if you do get a decent offer from a team like Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, no, you have to. Abs- I mean, look, for for me, I'm open for business if I'm Sam Bowman. Yeah. But unle- unless something is like, you know what? Odds are I'm not going to do better than this. Pull the trigger because, you know, you know, what if he gets hurt again? Whatever. Then you're left with nothing. Right. I, I'm open for business right now, but I'm not. I'm also at the same time, not in a hurry. I think mm-hmm. just sort of sensing the market, feeling how things are going, taking a look at...
1: take advantage of where you're at in the calendar. Like, if you get a really good offer, then go ahead and do it, because then, you know, you get a team who might be like, hey, we want to try to cut in line in front of some of these other teams who might decide last minute, hey, we're in on this thing, let's go get them. Like, maybe you take advantage of that. But I think a team like Pittsburgh would benefit from having Brandon Sod for a little bit longer than just that trade deadline date. Sure. that's, That's just my... That's obviously my take on it. I mean, there's obviously more than one way to kind of approach this, and I am very interested to see when exactly that determination gets made, whether this team is a buyer or a seller at the deadline. Obviously, we're both hoping that they decide they're sellers because they're not very good, (laughs) but I leave that to the listener to decide. There is one other thing I did want to get into with the Jeremy Colleton – or sorry, the Stan Bowman comments today, and that was his – uh, him declining to discuss whether they've had any contract discussions with Kuba Leak, with Strom, with Crawford, with Leonard, just would not talk about it, appeared a little bit perturbed, annoyed, I guess, by the question, and kind of said it wouldn't be fair to the process or something to that effect. I thought that was interesting that he basically said, no, we're not going to talk about whether we've had contract negotiations with any of those guys. A couple of those guys are pretty high profile, and so it's interesting that he's not wanting to commit to really any of them right now.
2: I think you have to either commit to all of them or or none of them because if he's like, yes, we have been talking to Robin Leonard, Corey Crawford knows he's done, right? So right. I think there's or if it's, you know, I'm talking to Kubalik and not somebody else, they're like, Wait, why are they talking to him? Do they like him more? There there's really no good out of coming. Look, the players know if they're talking or not. They don't need to know if they're talking to other players too. I think it you know uh, if Corey Crawford here I, is, on, I still
1: get the idea yeah, that sure. if the Blackhawks have been talking to Robin Leonard, Corey Crawford's gonna find out about it. That's a pretty small fraternity of uh, players and agents. I well, get the sense he would know.
2: I think it's different to make it public though, because That's then fair. you've got fans and media saying like, "Well, the decision's been made." That's the headline the next day, right? And and that isn't necessarily true. By the way, trade deadline this year Monday, February twenty fourth. That's so late, dude. I know. It feels like it, right? Yeah. I don't know. know.
1: I mean, the season ends, what, like April 9th? So you have a month and a half with these guys if you make the trades at the very last minute. And I know you get some crazy trades at the end. But again, you get a trade offer that you like in early February. Why not pull the trigger on
2: it? The last Blackhawks game is April 4th
1: geez it's even earlier than i thought by the way back-to-back games in new york i think to end the season this year kind of a weird one
2: but it is the islanders on the first of april or i'm sorry the second and the rangers on the fourth
1: so bizarre man get to get to go see artemi panarin again
2: on april 4th there you go um you wanted to mention something that you saw and heard on the broadcast night uh you did not tell me what it was so lay it on me there james Okay,
1: so during the game tonight, Pat Foley had a couple more of his um, we're going to call them moments of non-clarity where he just (laughs) kind of starts saying words and not really pondering what he's saying. I think Uh, it happened during the second period. He started started to talk about former Flames coach Bill Peters and then kind of mentioned that he walked away, not mentioning why. He was gone. Didn't mention, you know, the whole hazing Akeem Malu or anything like that. Just kind of said, oh, he just he kind of left. You know, he wandered off, I guess. And as if that wasn't bad enough, when assistant coach Mark Crawford came on for their little third period powwow, he could have said something like, hey, Mark, good to have you back. Let's talk about blah, blah, But instead, he was like, no, oh, it's been it's been so great to have you back. And, you know, you've had a month off, but I bet you're just chomping at the bit to get back. And it's just like, why are you acting like he was on a freaking cruise, dude? Like, there was a very real reason that Mark Crawford was gone. And, yes, you and I both lauded the organization for the way they handled it. And we lauded uh, Mark Crawford for the way he handled the situation as well, dating back all the way to when it when these allegations were occurring but then for pat foley to act like he had won some trip to aruba and was gone for a month was really distasteful and especially coupled with the comments about bill peters i just thought it was completely ridiculous from pat foley to basically act like these things were you know no big deal or it's just like ah, it's just great to have you back well it was he,
2: very, very
1: disconcerting, and I thought it was very unprofessional by Foley
2: to do that. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the way, I, the way that felt to me, and look, you, you just said it. I think the Hawks handled it perfectly. I believe Mark Crawford when he says he's sorry, when he says he's been doing the work for, what, a decade? He said he's been in therapy to improve himself. Yeah. Great. James, you know me. I am the biggest advocate for therapy in the world. I love it. It's great. It's the best thing I've ever decided to do, and I fully believe in it. And Mark Crawford, good on him for going and identifying something in himself that had to change. But the, you're right. The way Foley treated it was like Crawford was the victim of something. Correct. Right? Like, well, you know, you were wrongfully accused. and you're No. He did the things he was suspended for. He did them. He admitted. He came out the day he returned from his suspension and said, yes, I did these things. I'm sorry for them. They're unacceptable. I have worked on and will continue to work on being a better person and mm-hmm. fixing the problem. He owned it. But for to come back, and Foley was almost, like, defiant in his tone. Like, see, we told you he was a great guy. He didn't do anything wrong. That's how it felt. And Mark Crawford. And he also
1: made sure to emphasize how much the players all said
2: they messed up. And that's great. And they probably did. Yeah. But Pat. Mark Crawford told you he made a mistake. Mark Crawford told you that the punishment was justified. He said it himself. Yeah. So instead of like sort of spiking the ball, acting like, "See, he's a he's an old school guy and everybody and they and they went out of their way to say Dennis Gilbert, he likes getting yelled at."
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so yep. weird. Like- yeah, it was a very weird attempt at image rehabilitation and trying to spin the narrative in a really but it's weird way and I I thought this is obviously me completely reading into body language so please forgive me for speculating on this but I thought it made Crawford slightly uncomfortable
2: uh yes it's been discussed he's coaching a hockey game at the moment and he's been back for a week yeah I know it's the first time they got to talk to him on the broadcast. But the news cycle has moved on. They don't need to reclaim him, almost top to bottom. People have said, "Yeah, the Hawks did the right thing here. They suspended him. Crawford came out and handled it perfectly, and we move on." Mm. I don't see anyone stomping her feet, yelling, and screaming that Mark Crawford has a job with the Blackhawks.
1: No, I you haven't know. either, and rightfully so.
2: I'm as liberal as they come. I think they handled it perfectly. I Ditto. really do. So it's it's fine. I you know I don't think that the the continued campaign to renew mark crawford's uh you know character is even needed it's been done everyone's like wow that was really impressive good on you mark crawford good job for admitting you made a mistake and admitting you need to change and that's before any
1: of this came to light which was the key part obviously
2: yes right yeah anyway uh i want to tell you about our friends at the barrel club in oklahoma 4910 west 111 street i went there with a group of 10 Uh, About a week ago, and all 10 of them have been back since. And when we were there together, just raving about every bite, about every cocktail, you want a nice night out that's not going to break the bank, head on out to the barrel club. If you want a burger, you want an app, the apps are big enough to fill you out. But if you want to do it, do it upright and get some steaks, get some chops, get some really great seafood and splurge a little bit, the Barrel Club, will they got you covered. Whatever you need, the Barrel Club is the place to go. I love the steaks. The ribeye is what I get. James, you mentioned your bone-in meatloaf the other day. The cocktails are top shelf, so go visit the Barrel Club, 4910 West 111th Street, BarrelClubIllinois.com. On that website, you can join their Spirit of the Month Club. I mentioned before the break that this week I watched a really great hockey documentary and I think this will be interest to interest to all hockey fans but especially Blackhawks fans it's called tough guy the Bob Probert story it's an adaptation of his book that came out shortly after he passed away dude I had forgotten all the stuff legally and personally that Bob Probert went through and you know what that's the wrong thing to say because that makes Bob, Bob did a lot of this stuff to himself and he made a lot of bad decisions, but addiction's a hell of a thing. And I'm glad that I don't have an addictive personality where I've never had to deal with that. But man, would he put his body through four years? I cannot recommend the documentary enough. Some of the best fights you've ever seen. If you're a fan of fights and hockey, this documentary has got you covered. They talked to Ty Domi. They talked to Stu Grimson They talked to all these guys that fought Bob Probert. Scott Parker's in there from the Avalanche. He had some really interesting comments. It's really an awesome documentary. I love Bob Probert. I wore his jersey when I walked into my wedding reception. That's the first Hawks jersey I bought with my own money, was a Bob Probert white, authentic Hawks jersey. Um, One moment that really stood out to me in the documentary. They're talking to Chris Chelios, and they show footage of him and Probert mixing it up and Chelios is sort of narrating over the whole thing, and he says, "You know, there was a point where Proby was, you know, clearly on cocaine. Like as games were going on, and there's this one game in particular I remember. Him and I were mixing it up, and they and as he's describing this, you're showing the fight, when the fight ends, the referees are between them, and you can see Chelios says something to Probert, and Probert just kind of nods and skates away. What Chelios says is." I told Proby, you can't be on the ice on that, on those drugs. You can't do it. It's not right. Like, he was almost kind of lecturing him after the fight. And Probert said, yeah, you're right. Like, during the game, just sort of admitted to Chelios, you're right, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm messing up here. I shouldn't be doing this. It was really tough to watch. And then, of course, the end of the documentary is his wife and his daughters recounting the day he died Man, it is heartbreaking, but it is eye opening and, and really great. And and I got to work with Bob Prober a little bit um, when his when he air quotes retired. When the Hawks forced him to retire, uh, he came up and worked the pre and post game shows that were on six seventy The Score at the time. And early in the season, he was there and he was happy and he looked good. He was gregarious and with it. And he would sometimes bring his daughters, and his daughters, by the way, are are, are widely featured in a documentary, uh, but they were, you know, seven, eight, nine at the time, and he would bring them with him to the broadcasts just to keep him from going out. And then the girls stopped showing up, and then Bob would show up late, or Bob wouldn't show up at all, or he'd show up in a bad mood and covered in sweat. You could see the deterioration of a guy, and for me, Early in my career in broadcasting, you know, they say, like, don't meet your heroes. To see Bob Probert deteriorate in front of my eyes, you know, I I saw the guy three times a week, then maybe once a week, then sometimes not at all for weeks at a time. That was really hard for me to witness, and it's something I'll never forget, and it's something I've kept in the back of my mind often when I'm drinking or I see friends drinking or whatever uh that image of him just like just falling apart it it was really hard to see for a guy who i spent a lot of my time cheering for uh man what a sad end to a story of, of a guy who when he had his crap together seemed like a really good dude a really good dad it was difficult to watch but i highly recommend it tough guy the bob probert story i saw it on amazon prime video i'm not sure where else it's available but i know for sure it's there uh you, everyone knows somebody with a Prime account, so get that login information <laughs> and check out that documentary. It was outstanding.
1: Yeah, certainly we will do that. It sounds like an absolutely awesome film. Obviously, a very uh, tragic end to a life that was cut short. And obviously, we've talked a lot about Bob on this uh, podcast. And yeah, I mean, I will definitely take the Jay Zawoski seal of approval, and I will definitely check it out. I do have an Amazon account, so I won't have to borrow that login from you and i will definitely uh definitely be giving that a watch sometime this week uh it's uh always important to see the human sides of uh these guys and it really kind of illustrates just how important uh life is and how comparatively unimportant success is on the ice in the grand scheme of things
2: well you know and and especially in that era of like the true heavyweights the pressure on those guys to know I have to fight tonight. I have to, I have to go out there, and I have to fight. It's expected. And that really famous, when Ty Domi was on the Rangers, he sort of got the better of Probert in the first fight and did the, like the championship belt thing after they went to the bench. Mm-hmm. So when the rematch came, everyone knew. It was the front page of the newspaper that those two were going to drop the gloves, and that Probert kicked his ass, and Domi came out of that fight laughing. And then as they're skating to the bench, I never saw this before. I don't know how I missed this. Steve Eiserman's on the bench giving Domi the heavyweight championship <laughs> signal. Oh, man, it was awesome. It was so cool. And uh, one thing, too, Steve Iserman, uh, as Probert was going through everything he was going through, Eiserman never really bust-tossed him. He was like the one guy, and Probert acknowledges that. He says, you know, Stevie Y was always like, you know, we're thinking about Bob. We hope he figures things out. Some teammates would kind of go off about it and be frustrated and and sort of rip him in public, and he said Iserman was the one guy or one of the few guys, more truthfully, to never publicly go after him and, and, and get mad about it. So it's mm-hmm. just really cool. It's a cool thing to watch, and it's just, you know, if you're a younger Hawks fan, if you're someone that dropped in on the game Uh, when the Hawks got great in 2009 and 2010, go back and watch this. This is not that long ago where hockey looked like this, where you had guys whose main job was to beat the hell out of other guys. Probert was the best fighter and an all-star player. That's what made him special. So uh, check out the documentary. It's called Tough Guy, The Bob Probert Story. You will not regret it. It is a good hour and a half spent. And it gives you some insight into one of the toughest dudes in NHL history. His dad passed away. They had his funeral. And the day after the funeral, he left for junior at 16 years old. It's insane. it's insane. It's a great story. uh, and, and it's really so similar to so many players. But Probert was just such an uh, enigmatic character. Man, what, it, I loved it. I loved every second of it. All right. James anything you want to add we want to wrap this puppy up before my yeah, voice I mean, totally goes <laughs> we've, uh,
1: we've hit on so much tonight uh it's just it, again try not to get too bogged down in the ups and downs of this season I mean it's still it's still a long way to go man and they they've shown you know fits and starts of being a team that could potentially make the playoffs and it's just going to be a really interesting uh ride to the finish to see what the heck's going to go on with this thing. And uh we hope that y'all stick with us and continue to uh, listen to uh, us, I don't know, do whatever it is that we do, I guess.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there's whatever happens, it's going to be an ent- interesting month or two for the Blackhawks. They've got uh, some interesting and huge roster decisions to make. So heading up to the deadline it's going to be interesting. And look, they're not totally out of this thing. They're hanging in there. And, you know, they're 6-4-0 six, six, in their last 10. They could have won tonight. They could have won the Vancouver game. They're not a horrible team, but another big injury. You know, how can they withstand it and what will it mean as the deadline approaches? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast rolls on. We want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. The Barrel Club in Oklahoma 4910 West 111th Street. BarrelClubIllinois.com and Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe there in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you early next week.
0: Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dwag. A board-certified OB-GYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a bona fide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to hellobonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's hellobonafide.com and code RADIO39.
2: These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only.